Under the Hood with Jonathan Hood. Weeknights on ESPN 1000 and the ESPN app. This is Under the Hood. I am Jeff Meller along with Chris Black. We're filling in for Jonathan Hood this evening. He has the night off. And we're talking a lot of NBA finals as we get set for Warriors and Raptors. Can the Golden State Warriors win their third title in a row? Can they win their fourth in five years? Can they lay claim to the greatest dynasty in NBA history? Some of that's on the line. I don't know. It would be an arguable feat, no doubt about it, if they could actually pull it off. They're definitely getting in that conversation, Jeff, and that's where you get to the three-peat. If you can put a three-peat on your uh, belt, you can put that notch on your belt, then you can definitely get into the conversation with the Chicago Bulls, the Celtics of the 60s. You can you can get into that convo, the Shaq and Kobe Lakers, but until you get to that three-peat, you really are a team that's great and just not quite to that upper upper echelon when you have that conversation and that is what is at stake for them in this series and a man who knows a thing or two about winning three championships in a row their head coach steve kerr talked about the confidence the team has i think the first time four years ago it was almost like we couldn't believe it you know we're going to the finals and and now we um, it's not like we come to expect it uh, you know we're veterans of experience in this run our guys know how to finish games they know how to to win playoff series so there's a sense of confidence going into every round there's still a, a sense of, of joy and accomplishment getting to the finals it's so hard to do this week is a combination of enjoying the, the moment and preparing for what's next the big news today obviously is that kevin durant officially ruled out for game one but he traveled with the team so there is a possibility that game two is on the table for a kevin durant return with him there in Toronto. I, I would say it's just notable because in the last two series, I know it was one game against Houston. He didn't travel to that that last game, but also against Portland, he didn't go to Portland at any point. He mm-hmm. stayed home. So the fact that he's traveling to Toronto, even though he's ruled out for game one, tells me that there's probably a pretty good chance he may play in game two. And we'll see what happens. You know, who knows? If the Raptors come out and they punch the Warriors in the mouth and they get a victory in game one, maybe that speeds up the timeline. If the Warriors come out, put up 45 points in the first quarter and Steph goes for 50, maybe they, the Warriors kind of look at it and say, all right, we'll hold off on KD until we get back to Oracle just to make sure everything's okay. If for whatever reason they hold him out of game two and then he's not feeling up to it in game three, the Warriors have a 3-0 lead. Is Kevin Durant more inclined in your mind to play or not play if the Warriors have a 3 nothing lead on the Raptors? Boy, that would be an awkward setting, right? wouldn't it? Because uh, the Warriors won a championship. Kevin Durant doesn't play in the finals, doesn't play in the conference finals. He's on the parade flo- uh, floats at the end, right? Everyone's waving goodbye to him because everyone thinks he's leaving checking, anyway. Checking Zillow for New yeah, York real like, estate. Like it, it, that's a weird uh, kind of situation you got there. Um, I... I don't think it matters to him because I think he understands his health. He also understands yeah. his place in NBA history. He's a part of this team. This team would not be where they're at right now if it weren't for Kevin Durant. Half the season, 
The team was sleepwalking through the majority of the season. Even though they had the best record in the Western Conference, there were many games that I would stay up late and watch where this Warriors team wasn't like the others in previous uh, years. Mm-hmm. You know, you would see them play well each and every night at Oracle. You didn't see that this season. There was like a, a malaise over them going through the regular season and the grind of it. And you even saw that in the first round against the Clippers. If they don't have Kevin Durant... There's a good chance that that series goes seven games. But Kevin Durant was spectacular. He was amazing. And for the first part of the Rockets series, he was amazing as well. The best player in the world. So, you know, he understands what he means to the group. So I don't think that he would push it just to make sure he's on the floor. But then again, based on the time frame, we have so much time until we get to game four of the finals. Yeah. Was it like June 7th? That was two weeks away. Yeah, he'll he'll probably be on the floor at some point in the series, and I would imagine he's going to play and make a difference in the series. It's it's funny because I'm I completely agree with you that everything, and not just this season, but in order to push through and win the two previous titles, Durant was needed by this Warriors team. Mm-hmm. However, if somehow some way they go on and win this series, and Durant is not. There's very little. Maybe he's not. He maybe he gets to the floor and doesn't, you know, contribute much because he's not completely healthy and not in basketball shape after the long layoff. It does feel like history will, in some ways, kind of forget the impact that Durant had. People remember that the Warriors won a title when he wasn't there yet. They they then went on to win 73 games as a team and came up short when Curry was injured. And then in the middle, oh yeah, by the way, they won three titles when Durant came on and jumped jumped ship. Even though. Everybody will tell you he, for all intents and purposes, is the best player in the league on their team. Let me ask you this. What is easier to forget long-term history of the league, right? Uh, The scenario you just laid out with Kevin Durant, forgetting about him jumping in for two straight back-to-back titles, or do we forget about that Rockets team in the mid-'90s that won back-to-back titles? What do you think we would forget about more as we head down the timeline of history. Because I think, looking back, right, like everyone, 90s, basketball, what do you think about? The Jordan sure. Bulls. What did Jordan do? Two separate three-peats, right? No doubt. No doubt. And, and Houston won two titles there. They won back-to-back titles. Mm-hmm. Exactly what Durant's in, in the middle of. He won back-to-back titles. Now, if he's not a part of this third one in in the final series... What will you forget more of? The fact that Durant joined a great team to beat LeBron, beat LeBron in back-to-back years, and then left? Or the fact that the Rockets, because Jordan just didn't want to play basketball, Mm -hmm. won back-to-back titles? It's truly an interesting question. And, And unlike anyone else, I do believe that Jordan was helped by his retirement in terms of like the nostalgia surrounding his... Because, look, as good as they were... I don't believe the Bulls won eight straight titles. Well, okay, so that's where the basketball historian in me uh, gets annoyed when people keep pointing out that the Warriors could never be what the Jordan Bulls were Mm -hmm. because the Jordan Bulls had a two-year break. Yes. And this is year five of the Golden State Warriors being the best team in the world. Yep. Now, they didn't win a championship in one of those years because uh, Kyrie hit that shot and LeBron had the chase down block. That was still a 73 team, uh, 73 regular season win team. Yep. So for five years consecutively now, they've been on the grind of being the best team in the world, where Jordan's Bulls, 
even though they were good when he wasn't there, it was a refresher because it was like, all right, that was over. Now let's restart and let's do this again. And don't forget, and don't, don't discount what that Bulls team that first year without Jordan was trying to prove without Michael Jordan. Yeah. They had a little extra motivation. Yeah, Pippen should have been the MVP. That, I, he was awesome. Uh, let's bring in Andy yeah. Liu to the conversation. He's host of Wars World Radio on 95.7 The Game. Andy, thank you for your time this evening. What are your thoughts right now as we uh, sit here Tuesday night before the NBA Finals start on where this Warriors team is without Kevin Durant for Game 1, but possibly there for Game 2. Yeah, and uh, <clears throat> thanks for having me on, guys. Our I, pleasure. I appreciate you uh, getting me here. Yeah, I mean, the Warriors are in a, they're in a weird place where I, I think they're trying not to show that they're happy as much as they are about winning without Kevin Durant. I think they're happy that they get to prove that they're still this great team that they were before he joined. And they're balancing that by trying not to hurt KD's feelings, you know, KD being someone that, as we all know, uh, is interested in how people think of him. Um, and I think that he certainly was affected when people, you know, the first thing that people said after the Warriors, you know, won a few games against the Blazers were, were the Warriors better without KD? Which is, I mean, come on, <laughs> right? That's something that's just absolutely not true. But, you know, you want to keep KD engaged so that when he's coming back, and he will be back at some point this series, that he's ready to play, that he's mentally in that, you know, in that realm where he was against Houston. Um, and I think that they're towing that line. But at the same time, I don't know if they necessarily need Kevin Durant to win this series. Um, but they'd be, you know, of course, a uh, much larger margin of error and a much higher favorite with him. Andy, in the past, Kawhi Leonard has had success against the Golden State Warriors. What is the plan of attack on defense against Kawhi Leonard? Yeah, I think it's uh, probably Andre Iguodala to start, so he'll probably start the games. He should be healthy after missing uh, the last game and a half against Portland. It's been nine days since, so he'll probably start off. That's the Warriors' best perimeter defender. He's probably the best perimeter defender in the league besides, well, Kawhi Leonard. Um, So that's probably who they're going with. They'll have the ability to switch off Draymond and Clay. so that's probably one of the bigger differences that the Bucs weren't able to do. Chris Middleton, bless his heart, is a good defender, but he's not any of those three guys that the Warriors can throw out there. And, of course, they'll be able to throw out Kevin Durant, right, who thoroughly outplayed Kawhi uh, just a few years back when uh, when Durant was on the Thunder. So they'll have those four guys to throw at him. Um, and I don't know if the Raptors can score. I don't know. Marcus Saul and Ibaka were definitely good, you know, back in 2015-16, but I don't know if they have that, uh, that scoring option outside of Kawhi, and the Warriors' defense is not the defense that you see in the regular season. So you can throw those numbers out the window, uh, and when you do that, I think the Warriors do have that defense where they can shut down the Raptors. But again, the Warriors also haven't faced the length and size uh, like you see from the Raptors. So that'll be, uh, that'll be interesting. Andy Liu, the host of Wars World Radio on 95.7 The Game. Joining us here on ESPN 1000 Under the Hood, Jeff Meller, Chris Black filling in for Jonathan tonight. Andy, uh, what uh, is the status of DeMarcus Cousins right now? Uh, any chance he returns for the finals? Yeah, yeah. DeMarcus Cousins will be very uh, fascinating to see, not just when he comes back, because he will be back, and I do believe he probably will be active game one, which is this Thursday. Um, but it's going to be interesting to see what his role is because I don't think that Steve Kerr is going to start him. Um, and I think that he'll get him off the bench, but when does he play? And I think that it's going to be probably the late in the first or early second is when he comes in because 
the Warriors bench right now is short, right? It's shallow. It's not the Raptors bench who is a little bit deeper than theirs. And they don't have any scoring punch uh, back there besides Klay Thompson, who's not necessarily the greatest shot creator um, unless he's really hot. So I think DeMarcus Cousins is going to be pretty pivotal, probably until KD comes back, just so that the Warriors have a guy that can score off the bench because you're not really counting on Quinn Cook. You don't really want to count on Jonas Jarebko. So that'll be interesting. I do think he plays game one. Um, He's probably operating around 70 75% at best right now. But that might be good enough against uh, the Serge Ibaka's of the world um, and guys that aren't necessarily as hefty or as, as a true center as he. Over the course of the last month and in, in this uh, playoffs this season, have you ever seen Draymond Green play better basketball than what he's playing right now? <laughs> oh, man. Um, Draymond coined the term 16-game player. Uh, he is probably <laughs> at this point in his career. <laughs> at this point in his career, he himself is the definition of the 16-game player. Um, 82 games this regular season, he was not good. Um, and he'll say that to you as well. Uh, I mean, he was dealing through injuries, but he just wasn't good. He was out of shape. He lost 23 pounds before the postseason hit. And uh, since then, he's been phenomenal uh, on offense and defense, getting to the rim and defending pretty much two people at once against Portland. Uh, he had just as much impact on the games as Steph Curry in that sweep. Um, the last time that he probably paid, played this well, man, you probably got to go back to 2015-16 in that run. And when he scored, you know, when he made seven threes in that game seven against Cleveland, people forget that game yeah. because the Warriors lost, but he was phenomenal. So that's probably the last time. They just don't need Draymond as much anymore with Kevin Durant. But with KD out, that's really one of the big things. It's, oh, Steph Curry is averaging 35-plus, but... Draymond's just been as integral because, well, they have to be. They didn't blow. They didn't blow Portland out. Three of those games were close. Out of four, they needed every single piece of those two players to play as great as they were. Um, and so that that's uh, it, it's all been out of necessity. And it's good to see Draymond still have that in him. Andy, what was uh, what's the fallout five six days later? We all got to see firsthand Clay Thompson's reaction as he learned that he was no longer going to be eligible for the Super Max because he did not make the All NBA team. He did not make any of the three All NBA teams this season, and we we saw the clip go viral, and we saw him roll his eyes when he learned of some of the players who beat him out. What has been the reaction around the team? Have you heard from anybody? Have you heard more from Clay about just what his how frustrated he is when his his earnings are tied to a yeah. an award voted on by NBA writers? Yeah, yeah, and NBA writers that probably didn't watch half the games that he played in the regular season. <laughs> um, I'll st- I'll start with two things. Number one. Uh, Clay Thompson didn't have a great regular season either. The Warriors just don't play in the regular season. So it's like I almost can't blame people for not voting him there. Obviously, you'd rather have Clay Thompson and Kemba Walker and Bradley Beal. But it's like they, they don't put up numbers. They don't try in the regular season. You kind of can't blame them. It's probably why Draymond and Clay are second-team all-defense and not first. I thought was fine. The other piece is you put any other player in the NBA in that position and you get the live reaction of them not getting that award. Can you imagine Russell Westbrook? Can you imagine KD? Can you imagine LeBron James? Can you imagine literally and Chris Paul, James Harden, right? Any of these players, Anthony Davis we look at now, um, and, and you, you don't see them ever having the reaction that Clay has. And I think it's a sign of maturity, and I think it's a sign of secureness that he knows that he wants this at the end of the day. He wants titles, right? He just wants championships. He, re- he wants rings. 
I think there's a certain type of media, uh, for myself, everybody, that just now kind of says, well, you win a title, that's great, but we don't care that much. You know, the, the KD criticism. You've won two titles, but they don't really count. You played on a stacked team, right? And I think that Clay Thompson is the opposite of that. He's more like, all I want to do is win championships. That's all that matters at the end of the day. And I'm not happy that I didn't get, you know, that max deal. Maybe it cost me $32 million, but I still get to play on the best team in the, in the world, maybe the best team of all time, and I get to keep winning. And I think that's the reason why he stays on this team, and he'll re-sign with the Warriors. Whereas you look at, I don't know, Kevin Durant, who might be leaving the Warriors because you might not be getting that fame, that notoriety that he thought he would get when he won two titles. So that's pretty much the difference that you see between the two players literally on the same team. Yeah, Andy, and you make a good point because uh, from afar here in Chicago, when I watch and consume the Warriors, Clay Thompson is my favorite to, to watch because I admire the fact that he's cool with his role. He just wants to kind of be a part of history, which he is, and he's a great player in his own right. Like, just watching him each and every game and what he does defensively and his ability to shoot the ball, do enough people give him the credit he's due because of how good of a player he is based on all the stars that are around him? Well, I'll say this. Um, Last season against Houston, when the Warriors went down 3-2, that last game, um, or sorry, yeah, they went down 3-2, but they lost the game at home, I believe it was game four. And Klay Thompson made a boneheaded play where – he had a guy wide open, and he's just dribbling in the corner by himself and chucks up a shot like air balls, and they lose, right? Yeah. He got zero criticism. <laughs> zero criticism from Warriors fans, media, players, nobody. Clay is probably the only guy that doesn't get slandered uh, on the Warriors. So I'll say that. He might not get the credit that he deserves for being the best two-way, uh, two-way guard probably in the league and, a, and an all-team all defensive player because he always guards who Steph – you know, who's that point guard, who Steph could be guarding, but he always takes that matchup. And he's okay not shooting the ball for a quarter at a time. But I will say, he doesn't get criticized ever. And so that's a pretty good thing, because you look at the rest of the Warriors, you, know, you look at a team that's just great, you're always going to get criticism. And I think Clay Thompson is pretty bereft from that, um, especially on a team that's good. So it, it's, it's good being Clay, and he is about to get paid about two, you know, $190 million across five years. So he kind of can't complain there. Andy Liu, host of Warriors World Radio on 95.7 The Game. Andy, uh, what's the percentage chance in your mind that Kevin Durant actually returns the Warriors next season? <laughs> uh, man, I think that during the season, I think he was gone. I think he wanted to leave. I think when it became the postseason, when he got to fame as the best player on earth, right? You heard that all day long, best yeah. player in the league. Et cetera, et cetera. I think there was a pretty good chance he'll return, maybe in the 70% range. I think with him injured now and all the talk that's been coming out, it's probably back to a coin flip. I do think it is, and that's how KD is. He literally goes day by day, week by week, month by month. Uh, this was probably not planned a year ago, like how LeBron James was. Um, so I will say it's 50-50. Um, I think a, a lot does ride on this NBA Finals. Like, Think about it, guys. What if the Warriors go down 0-2, KD comes back in 3, which is when I think he'll come back, and he wins four in a row, and he wins Finals MVP, right? I, I would think I'm pretty sure he's staying then. But what if they win two in a row without him, and they win the series in five or six, and he comes back? But really, Steph was the best player on the floor, right? Um, so I think it really depends. I'll give it fifty fifty. But if you had to put a gun to my head, I'd say he's going to the Knicks. You know, in uh, with all the conversation around Durant, you're right. Everyone for a couple of weeks was really heavy on the Kevin Durant's the best player in the world. And I agree with that. When he's at his best, he is the best basketball player in the world. What do you think of this statement? 
is Steph Curry the most important player in the NBA? Well, if Steph is the most important player, he should be the best, right? And I think that's well, well, Andy, kind of it's like it's like two different yeah. arguments, right? Because best, mm-hmm. I think a lot of people could uh, detach the player and say, like, if this was a one-on-one contest, Durant yeah, has exactly. the best one-on-one skill. But like in the team setting. What Steph Curry does with his gravitational pull and his ability to move on the floor and hit threes and everything that he does to the defense, he's got to be the most important player in the league. I, I so the, you literally hit that point that I was going to make. So thanks for stealing that. By the way, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm sure you did. No, I was going to say that's pretty good. Um, but I, I agree, 100 percent agree. I think when people say he's the best player on earth, it's kind of one on one. You take him in that setting, and it's like, well, you know, and you or even a pickup game. Right. right, maybe you don't take Steph first in a pickup game. Katie's always going to win that. Always, there's nobody better than KD one on one. There's nobody better that you want in a pickup game than KD. Even more so than LeBron James, and I think that's probably true two years ago too. Um, but in terms of importance and impact, yeah, I think in a team setting and a franchise and 82 games and all of this stuff that you got to take into account in the NBA. Yeah, I think Steph Curry's better. I think he's a better leader. He's better, you know, importantly on offense. And if you've got the right pieces, like you've got a Draymond Green, it doesn't matter that Steph isn't the best defender. But here's the thing. He tries really hard on defense. He's a smart defender. So he doesn't really, like, bring you down that much. I would say he's better than Russell Westbrook on defense, who's awful. Um, and so I think that you're right. He has more impact. He's more important in a team setting. But I don't think people can divorce that fact from the fact that Kevin Durant is probably the singularly most talented and I guess if you put in just talent in itself on the basketball court in one person, yeah, there's nobody that beats KD. Andy, we appreciate your time this evening. Thanks so much for uh, helping us uh, scout the Warriors. Yeah, I appreciate you guys having me on, man. Thank you. Our pleasure. That's Andy Liu. You can follow him on Twitter. He's at Andy, K-H-Lu, L-I-U. Follow him there. I'm Jeff Meller along with Chris Black. We're filling in for Jonathan Hood on Under the Hood this evening. You know what? I think undoubtedly after tonight's performance, mm-hmm. we have a man who can lay claim to the best pitcher in the city, Chris. Oh, yes. Uh, John Lester did something for the Cubs tonight? Maybe. Let's see if he I was on the mound. Oh, he gave up six runs? Oh, he, Jeff must not be talking about John Lester. I'm not talking about Lester. I'll tell you who huh. I'm talking about next, right here on ESPN huh. 1000. Under the Hood with Jonathan Hood. Weeknights on ESPN 1000 and the ESPN app. You prefer it low and away. Two and two. He struck him out. Lucas is amped again. Lucas Giolito finishes off his evening with 10 strikeouts. That highlight courtesy of WGN, Jason Benetti and Steve Stone on the call. Ten more strikeouts in an eight-inning performance. Gives up three earned runs on a three-run homer early in the game. And then he buckled down, Chris, and went on to give up no more runs and shut down the Kansas City Royals, although it's not that hard these days, nevertheless. Giolito, after two consecutive complete games, albeit one to five inning range shortened affair, adds another performance that just goes to show why he is 
the best pitcher, the best starting pitcher in the city of Chicago these days. I totally agree with you, Jeff. I, I mentioned it to Cap in shot or no shot last week, I think Friday. Yeah. I asked him that shot. My shot or no shot was Lucas Giolito is the best pitcher in Chicago baseball right now. Cap went all overboard, no shot, no shot, cubby this, cubby that. Uh, it's true. Lucas Giolito right now is the best pitcher in Chicago baseball, and it's fantastic to see. Seven and uh, seven and one on the season, and the White Sox get a victory today, and he's been great, and hey. he's getting the strikeout numbers. He's not giving up too many runs. You got to like what you're seeing from Lucas Giolito this season. And the White Sox actually get two wins today as they complete their suspended game from yesterday, so they beat the Royals twice. Alex Colomay gets two saves, and yeah, you mentioned just how ridiculous Lucas Giolito has been in May, courtesy of Ryan McGuffey. In May 2019, he has gone 5-0 and in his six starts, a 1.74 ERA in 41 and a third innings, 46 strikeouts in those 41 and a third innings to 10 walks. He's been absolutely filthy. The White Sox have found themselves the top-of-the-rotation starter that they were looking for. So badly, the guy they were hoping Kopech could be, the guy a lot of White Sox fans were dreaming on Dylan Cease's potential to become, and all the while, one of the players who was the worst pitchers in all of baseball last year has turned into at least a solid number two right now, the way he's performing, and very possibly an ace for the White Sox to build upon. And if nothing else goes right for the White Sox this year, that if this revelation holds, the White Sox... White Sox fans can begin to dream about a team that can compete for the AL Central next year if Lucas Giolito continues to be this guy that we've seen over the la- over this over the month of May. Now they just have to figure out until the next time he's on the mound because well, yes. uh, I got done saying yesterday how the the White Sox need to say interesting, but what we saw from them this last weekend against the Twins that's not interesting. That's no. just really bad, and that doesn't help you grow towards the future. So stuff like what we saw tonight, the last outing for Giolito, the the White Sox won that game against the Astros for nothing. So nights like tonight. The last time Giolito was out, that those are building blocks. And like you're saying, Jeff, if this is what they get out of Giolito this season, and, you know, tonight, eight innings pitch, three hits, three earned runs, uh, the one walk, 10 strikeouts, 107 pitches. His ERA is now 2.85. This is excellent for the Chicago White Sox going into next year. As long as he doesn't get hurt and he keeps on this pace throughout this season, I think it's a definite positive for the White Sox, a team that, is looking for things to build momentum into next year because I think most White Sox fans kind of look at next year as the year that they shouldn't win, but they should be competing. They should be a team that's competitive and not just a team that's at the bottom of the barrel in the National League. I mean, the American League. Giolito has figured some things out, too. He is, It's the way he's approaching it. He's using his changeup a lot more mm-hmm. this season. He's ditched a slider that was a bad pitch for him. He's barely using it at all, if, if, at, if at all. And um, he's actually uh, credited Frank Thomas for a change in his approach. He was at a charity event with, uh, with James McCann, his teammate, and Frank Thomas. And Frank Thomas mentioned to him off to the side, he said, look, Lucas, he said, you got to pitch inside. And Giolito chuckled and he goes, yeah, I know. And Frank said, no, no, seriously, you got to pitch inside more. And Lucas said that that kind of... You know, the light bulb went on in his head when, right. when, when one of the all-time, the greatest hitter in Sox history is telling you, hey, you've got the talent. You need to come inside more. 
And then he said, you know what? Why don't I listen to this guy and try some things? And sure enough, I don't know. I don't, I'm not going to say it's the only reason, but the fact that Lucas Giolito is crediting, crediting Frank Thomas with uh, some of the reason for why he's turned things around, it, it, I mean, as a Sox fan, I love to hear that and see that. He also told uh, Carmen and Yurko two weeks ago that he's been using tempo. Mm-hmm. Not like he's done in the past. So he's been using his ability to get on the mound, throw it, and, and get on to the next pitch has helped him a lot as well throughout this season. So it, it's great for the Chicago White Sox. Good victory tonight, 4-3 over the Royals. And I'm glad to see uh, Lucas Giolito to improve to 7-1 on the season. And the only question now for me as a White Sox fan is when will Dylan Cease get the call up? He's down at uh, he's, he's down at AAA with the Charlotte Knights. He is, we're past the Super 2 deadline at this point, I expect C should be up at some point this year. Why are they wasting the bullets of an arm in the minor leagues? A guy who I think has right. shown he's ready to go. Look, if you really want to get White Sox fans excited, bring up Dylan Cease and let him show you what they've got. Because if Cease can actually show you that he's close to what the White Sox you know, think he could be, you've got potentially Giolito Cease and then Kopech returning at the beginning of next year. Hey, Sox fans can dream and get really excited if this actually turns into something that uh, you want to go out and watch. Well, it, it improves your chances this season. Being uh, 25 and 29 right now, you're not going to catch the Minnesota Twins. But if you can hang around 500, you're going to be in the wild card conversation. Not saying they're going to win the wild card, but you're right, Jeff. You bring up another pitcher who can add to the staff something that they definitely need help with at this point in the season. That could get you to that point where, like, Look at the Boston Red Sox. They're sitting at 29-25. You're looking up and down the, the American League. The the A's, 29-25. and 25. The Rangers, 25-26. and 26. Just get around 500. You can be in the conversation. The Indians, 26-27. and 27. As long as you're there, why? who says that you can't put together a good month come June, July, later on this season and see where it goes? Make things certainly interesting there. Hey, if you want to check out some racing... This weekend, I've got a four-pack for you. Give us a call at 312-332-3776. That's right, a four-pack of tickets for Championship Sunday for the NHRA Mellow Yellow Drag Race Series. Returning to Route 66 Raceway kicks off May 30th, and it runs through June 2nd. Four nights of action-packed racing. Tickets on sale now for more info or to purchase tickets. Visit Route66Raceway.com. Or call 888-629-RACE. All right, Chris, you have some NFL football, what is top 10 things yeah, to so, watch for? So coming up next, Jeff, I will give you the top 10 storylines I'm looking forward to in this upcoming NFL season. We're 100 days away from the NFL season, so I'm going to give you 10 storylines we're going to watch outside of Chicago, and we'll do that coming up next. There we will. He's Chris Black. I'm Jeff Meller. In for Jonathan Hood here on ESPN 1000. Under the Hood with Jonathan Hood. Weeknights on ESPN 1000 and the ESPN app. Seconds, third and 19. And this time he's going to go down. It's going to be picked off by Mack. Mack with the interception. And Mack will take it all the way in for a touchdown. How crazy was that? Robertson Harris extracted the ball 28 yards and Khalil Mack is already the defensive MVP of the season that was Al Michaels on the call of the Bears opener last Sunday night when they took on the Green Bay Packers at Lambeau Field we are a mere 100 days away 
from the NFL opener this year on Thursday night at Soldier Field. And that means that Chris Black has us covered. So, Jeff, I had 10 storylines to watch for the NFL season, but we only have five minutes left in the show, so I'm going to give you five. Okay. Okay, so these are are non-Bears related because we are obviously looking forward to the Bears season. We are looking forward to the defense, the Trubisky development, everything that goes into the Bears season. So non-Bears storylines in the NFL season that we're looking forward to. Number five, Antonio Brown and John Gruden. What in the world are the Raiders doing this year? Eh, that's number five. That's okay. I think Antonio Brown's going to put up stats and because he always does. And the Raiders are probably going to be a six-win team at best. They're going to make a lot of noise, though. So that's why I'm focused on them. Okay. And I agree. They're going to be bad. Yeah. It's going to be a train wreck that I'm not going to be able to look away from. They've added Richie Incognito for the locker room uh, presence. So Number four, the Cleveland Browns hype machine. Let's wait and see. Usually teams that win the offseason don't usually win games, Jeff. So, number four, the Cleveland Browns are going to get all of the hype this season. No doubt about it. I think we've, you and I have both laid out how they have a lot of primetime games early. Three of the first six games that the Browns play will be on national television. So, we'll get a lot of them and a lot of hype. And I, honestly, I think they'll live up to it. They finished with seven wins last year after a winless season the year before. And they've added a lot of key offensive skill players to their young rookie quarterback, who was very good. So, I'm actually going to buy the hype. Five storylines I'm looking forward to in the NFL season, not Bears related. We're obviously hyped and pumped for the Chicago Bears. Number three, the Rams lose the Super Bowl. They go 13 and three. Will Sean McVay and his magic continue this season? Hmm. Continue is interesting because I do think, in all likelihood, that the Rams' offense will potentially take a step back, but I still think they're going to be a good team. I still think they'll probably win their division. And so I think the whole, there will be a lot of questions about what's wrong with the Rams, but I still think they'll be a good team. Number two, Patrick Mahomes, the youngest MVP since Dan Marino in 1984. Will his great play continue? And will he continue to take the league by storm in year two of being the starter in the, with the Kansas City Chiefs? His great play will continue. I do think the question is, what will the offensive skill players around him be like will Tyreek Hill be on the Chiefs roster or not because forget all the off the field incidents that Tyreek Hill has been involved with he is a game breaker on the field oh yeah and he stretches the defense and he allows Travis Kelsey to work underneath quite freely and if Tyreek Hill is not on their roster I do trust that Patrick Mahomes will be a great quarterback with or without Tyreek Hill but I believe statistically he will be much better if Hill is on the field. And so Mahomes's, I would say his MVP status is probably going to be determined by whether or not the Chiefs choose to cut ties with Tyreek Hill. And we're going to enter the season expecting Patrick Mahomes to dazzle, right? Like expecting him in primetime games with the no-look passes, the 75-yard bombs, all this stuff from Patrick Mahomes. We're all expecting it to continue into year two of him being the starter, being an MVP. So, so that's where, to me, I'm excited to see that, and I'm excited to see what takes place for the Kansas City Chiefs this season. Number one, I might have top storylines hanging into the NFL season. I know we're 100 days out. We're excited for the Bears season, but these are non-Bears storylines. Number one, Bill Belichick, Tom Brady. Will this dynasty ever end? And I put that number one 
because they don't get enough respect each and every season. We try and talk about the Browns. We talk about this dysfunction here, that dysfunction there. But the Patriots, they're always there. They're consistent and they're great. They are, but they also did lose their game breaker and Rob Gronkowski. The question is, is Rob Gronkowski definitely retired? Is there any chance that he returns to their roster at some point this year? Because that could be that in itself could be just enough for them to get back to the top of the perch. November, I, December, like what? What do they need Gronk for? They need him for the playoffs, exactly right? Exactly it, especially with the division that they're up against. Yeah, so I'm I'm excited to see uh, Tom Brady and Belichick because I'm sure everyone's going to pick them you know, not to be as good as they were last season, I, this season, and they're going to go out and prove people wrong again. I know a lot of people hate the dynasty, but it's worth appreciating while it's still here. And because uh, it won't be here forever, even though it feels like it. See, we didn't have time for number six. David Jones against Eli Manning. The quarterback controversy with the Giants. Daniel Jones. Yeah, whatever. His name exactly. Is. Terrible. He's Chris Black. <laughs> Follow him on Twitter. He's at Chris Black. I'm Jeff Meller. Follow me at Jeff underscore Meller. Thanks to Felix Reyes. Sean, <clears throat> I appreciate you guys. Also, Connor Rogers, Eric Smith, Andy Liu. This is Under the Hood on ESPN 1000 and the ESPN app. Talk to you guys tomorrow. See ya. Jonathan Hood. I'm so hood. On ESPN 1000.